games. War games. War games. Hello there, Team NXT. Welcome back. Thank you for listening, esteemed members. I am your host, CD, Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice with the most inconsistent schedule possibly in all of podcasting. But thank you so much. Welcome back. This is episode 117 of the longest-running independently produced NXT podcast available. I hope everybody out there has been staying safe and healthy and washing your hands and wearing your masks and doing everything you could to just adapt to what is left of 2020. Thank God this year is almost over, and I haven't been on the airwaves since Halloween Havoc, kind of related to such reasons and the fact that Shaolin, New York, is not doing too well when it comes to these situations. This could be me getting a pinged health update as we speak. No, it's just a uh, just a fellow wrestling friend of mine with another hot take. Um, yeah, it's a build war games, folks. You heard it from Mr. Regal at the top of this show. You heard it from William Regal throughout the course of NXT TV as of late. It's that time of year again. NXT TakeOver War Games happening for the first time in the Capital Wrestling Center, I'm assuming the size of the area where the rings are going to take up and the size of that cage, I'm questioning the logistics of the War Games setup, but that's for uh, that's for everybody else to figure out. That's only a prediction as far as this show goes, and predictions will come for the takeover at the end here, but what I'm discussing this episode 117 will cover... The November 25th edition and the pre-war games show on December 2nd, let it be known that I personally feel this was not the most durable build a go-home show for a war games takeover has had, especially when you especially when you consider what was going on across the way on the uh, on the other channel Wednesday nights, which I found out on Thursday, and uh, yeah, that uh, that was a real sting. For, for me to take watching the uh, the happenings on AEW Dynamite and comparing them to a build for a takeover with such rich tradition at this point in NXT history as NXT TakeOver War Games. But I was entertained on the way there. We have NXT featuring Kevin Owens on commentary. Not very common. Kevin Owens, a very important catalyst in the last year's War Games event. So it was nice to have him kind of on the road towards that takeover builds. We've had the most interesting factors in all of this being for what I feel the second year in a row, the women's war games matchup. I think that Team Shotzi is shaping up to be something special, and Candice LeRae's team is not short of talent either. Um, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. We're just taking a glance at this card here real quick. I wish this builds for this rivalry has kind of changed since Halloween Havoc, but I think all it's really done is made Cameron Grimes more of a jokey personality, but Dexter Loomis is getting sort of a Michael Myers-style build, which is fine, but that can only get him so far, and we've already had a haunted House of Horror match. We'll have a strap match this Sunday at TakeOver. And the North American Championship scene, and this is where I want to start things off, in the conversation and leading through the episodes week by week. The Leon Ruff story, the Johnny Gargano wheel conspiracy where Leon Ruff was this write-in name, rigged attempts, and Damian Priest being Johnny Gargano's foil, even post-capturing the North American Championship from him at Halloween Havoc. Gargano from Priest, to fill in the pronouns mentioned there. Um... Leon Ruff has been one hell of a story. He's had his fair share of NXT spotlight, making tons of superstars look good. It's about time that he got to look good for his own sake with a win. Would it have been a championship right away if it was me with the pad and pen? No, but Leon Ruff is one hell of an athletic talent. I think that he's going to be one hell of an NXT cruiserweight champion one day, and that's where I think the size really fits. I think especially, I'm not going to get too into this, even covering the show, but when you see him up against the Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar, and you see that the Cruiserweight Champion has that much of a size advantage on the North American Champion, something something just kind of 
Something just kind of doesn't feel quite right visually in uh, in my opinion. But Leon Ruff's story has been a good one. Johnny Gargano's role in NXT is to make other talents look good at this point. Doing it as a heel, it's been a rough road, I mean, pun fully intended, and Johnny Gargano as a heel and the Johnny Gargano way and all of these things are still waiting to click. And I'll get into what I think it's going to sum up as when I actually go down to the predictions, but I think NXT TakeOver War Games could be important to shape Johnny Gargano. I think it'll also move Damian Priest because the guy looks and acts and has the presence of a star. So minus the main event war games with the Pat McAfee factor and the Undisputed Era, I think the North American Championship match will have the most violence and prestige and intrigue of the evening. Diving in, speaking of Gargano's, let's cover Candice LeRae versus Ember Moon, two top-tier talents former championship competitor many times in Candice LeRae, and a former women's champion in Ember Moon. I thought it was a great match between these two. Just something that you could... There's so much talent in the NXT women's division that you could pretty much pick two names out of a hat and get an excellent matchup. That's kind of what I felt happened here. Um, All in all, Indy Hartwell takes an excellent eclipse. Two in-ring veterans, very smooth in the competition here. I think... uh, I think things were good. Things are this is this is the events where Candice LeRae's team just took shape in one foul swoop, and I love it. Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and a heel Tony Storm. Tony Storm returning to NXT, mentioning many times that it's not the same Tony Storm as you've seen before. And if you want to go back a couple weeks even further, where Ember Moon. Sidetracking to Ember Moon's promos again, folks. I think that something just needs to happen where it's backstage pre-records only until she gets some sort of managerial piece because it's it's not working. And her referencing Tony Storm, I think, in the way that she did in this over-the-top cartoonish style during an interview, I, I don't blame Tony Storm for wanting to slug her in the back of the head. Anyway. Quite the team for Candice LeRae. Moving on, Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era's tons to say about Undisputed Era. I'll get into them before I cover the... Before I cover the main events for... Well, presumed main event for War Games, considering that Finn Balor, our NXT champion, the big cat at play, where the mice were away thinking they can run things. The big cat is back on commentary. So there's the big dog and Tribal Chief in Roman Reigns, and there's the big cat in Finn Balor, for those of you also keeping score at home. I want to dive into Thatcher versus Kushida when I go into Thatcher versus Champa for TakeOver. I really question what happened there. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed myself on this TakeOver War Games build, as, as you can tell. Really having trouble... Okay. Something we could really dive into, and I'm going to cover this once and only once, Zia Lee and Boa. What the heck is going on? Two weeks ago, continuing this ominous power that seems to be floating over them. And this week seems to be some sort of Chinese water torture. Can I say that? Can I say that as an honest take without it sounding like something that somebody who just ignorant would say? Because... How else do you shape it? The guy's making them dive their heads in again, again, and again. The only thing that it's coming across as differently is that it's a uh, a training exercise where this man is pushing Boa and Zioli too far rather than two outside guards or forces, you know, waterboarding or what have you to, uh, to them. So I don't know what the heck is going on with Zioli and Boa. It's been one of those... I don't understand it, and I'm going to stare at my phone until I see some in-ring action while it's going on before I really see something take shape here. Uh, didn't like it. Just don't get it quite yet. Zia Lee demanding all these matches, goes on a losing streak. Boa interferes. This figure who we've never seen before, who looks like a Chinese Paul Ellering, obviously being bossed around by possibly a even further higher up on a Chinese women's wrestling food chain than Xia Li. 
There's a lot to think about with these segments, but I'm not going to get it until we get it, if that makes any sense, if you know what I'm saying there. I'm not going to get it until it's concluded and the shroud is pulled off of this uh, this mysterious figure. Then maybe it's just going to be one of those white bulb moments that clicks. Something that really does click, though, is the grizzled young veterans competing in the NXT tag team division, just kind of bolstering those numbers a little bit. Uh, they would come in contact with Everrise, Jumping Everrise. Imperium would take issue with the Grizzled Young Veterans. This is December 2nd, but there's no NXT Tag Team title match to speak of, considering they're in war games. So I'm going to cover my most interesting points in the Tag Team division right now, and then I'll get fully into Kevin Owens' show on NXT and the December 2nd edition in full. But let's cover Everrise versus Grizzled Young Veterans, which turned into Imperium versus Grizzled Young Veterans, which turned back into Everrise ruling and driving away with the last laugh. Okay, I think James Drake and Zach Gibson are a much-needed, not even just heel or babyface presence in the NXT Tag Team Division, some kind of presence in the NXT Tag Team Division. Because outside of Lorcan and Birch and Imperium and Fandango, I should be able to rattle off four or five other teams without even trying. And one of those not being Undisputed Era because they're kind of a given at this point. And any combination of those guys, yes, you're going to get an impressive tag team match, but it's not building any new teams. So this whole, let's start showing the seriousness that Everrise can prove. I'm all for it. Bringing in grizzled young vets to be new heels or just sort of middlemen, badasses walking their own way. Them versus Imperium. I'm all for that rivalry as well because that's going to be a technical spectacle straight out of Europe that I can get behind. Hey, European and Canada and you count Kyle O'Reilly and there's there's quite the... Uh, Quite the outside of the U.S. presence and uh, Tyler Breeze and Dango. Quite the out of U.S. presence in the NXT Tag Team Division at this point. I think that really says something. Let's start building some U.S. tag teams and uh, let's keep up the Canadian wrestling talents. And let's just keep importing these NXT UK talents. Because Grizzled Young Vets, the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Champions, they can really, really pack a punch in a much-needed revitalization of this division, especially outside of the title picture. Jumping in, let's talk about Kevin Owens on commentary. Him biting at Vic Joseph, him filling in for Wade Barrett and filling in and keeping Wade Barrett's... keeping the promise that, I guess, was made to Wade Barrett where he'd keep Vic Joseph in line through a series of ribs and... Clever verbal jousts, I thoroughly enjoyed the November 25th take on commentary. Leon Ruff clearly enjoyed Kevin Owens' promise presence as well on NXT television because he seemed hyped and motivated like a fan, not like somebody who would who would be sharing a locker room. So I definitely, as a fan watching, I know what that would feel like. But as a fan watching a wrestler, not sure what I'm supposed to get out of this. And it's kind of the same thing with this past week that I'll get into as well for Leon Ruff. There's a lot of there's a lot of fan and even with him slapping Damian Priest and being as upright and standing up for himself as is, it still feels like just another fan in the ring who happened to win the title on a fluke and there it is. I'm not so sure if I'm supposed to get this Santino Morella story out of it, but that's what I'm getting. And uh, it wasn't pulled from a crowd. It was plucked out of a wheel. And this is somebody who's supposed to be sharing a locker room with these guys. He should not be necessarily marking out for uh, for somebody. There should be a mutual respect there. There should be, nice to meet you, Kevin. Thank you for having me on your show. Firm handshakes and everything that you could possibly ask for from a professional co-worker or somebody that would be considered a protege mentor relationship like two pro wrestlers should have. Um, Kevin Owens kind of delivering on these points that I just made, encouraging Ruff to start saying things with conviction and with his chest, if I can quote Kevin Hart and 
Good Kevin Hart. Not a fan of the most recent Netflix special. If I could give my two cents on what's in my queue lately. Um, this would be customary Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens show would lay down the law when it came to what happens on WWE-based talk shows. When you mention somebody by name, their music is going to hit. Johnny's probably walking through Gorilla right now demanding they, they play his theme song that isn't as good as his old theme song. That could be personal commentary. I don't think Kevin Owens said that. Um, Damien Priest would get the same treatment when Gargano would mention Priest and the fact that it snowballed and it was really self-aware. I was really, really enjoying this because you always kind of wonder what happens when wrestlers are storming through Gorilla. Are they asking for their music to be played? Are producers just assuming that they should play their music? And that's why they come out all angry saying, cut my music with a microphone in hand. Is it a matter of personal preference? Is there certain producers that know, okay, when so-and-so walks out, I play their music. When this person walks out, I don't play their music because chances are they're jumping somebody. It's really shows you a uh, really interesting perspective of what goes behind the scenes in a WWE-based, already pre-scripted talk show. But enjoyable segment, nonetheless. We got a triple threat match to take over with Leon Ruff, with Damian Priest, and with former two-time North American champion Johnny Gargano. And I think I think we're going to get one hell out of a match. I think Leon Ruff's first takeover is going to be one hell of a showing for this young man. Uh, let's jump in headfirst on a and the December second edition of NXT. I'm making this edition quick because not only am I just kind of out of it these past few weeks, a little bit of holiday and career fatigue at this point, but I do want to focus primarily on giving glimpses at week to week and just kind of focusing this show on War Games card and predictions. Great tribute to the late Pat Patterson on December second edition of NXT TV. You wouldn't have the Royal Rumble match. We wouldn't have the IC Championship if he hadn't been the first one coming out of Rio de Janeiro's tournament. Man held some accolades in the business and was definitely a catalyst for NXT. Definitely held Sami Zayn's reign and win in high regard. So that was that was a touching moment in, uh, in NXT history. Kicking things off, though, would be the Archer of Infamy in a tag team match with future triple threat opponent Leon Ruff taking on two members of Legado del Fantasma, the cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar y Raul Mendoza. Just going to mention it again. Just watching the size difference, the North American champion is that much smaller than the cruiserweight champion. The guy who headlines a show named 205 Live is facing off with the North American champion. And you can say this arguably for Johnny Gargano too, but Gargano just seems to be at least thicker and you can see the illusion. Leon Ruff is, sh- I mean, short for a wrestler and he's he's as skinny when... I know this is bad because this is primarily an audio-based medium, but when you when a guy like me, who's as skinny as I am, sees Leon Ruff in the ring, it really makes you think, man, these 135-pound 130, guys who can get billed at weights of 160, if really need be for kayfabe, can really make something of themselves if they possess the athletic ability. So it's a nice motivator, but it also kind of detracts from what you want when you're looking at a professional wrestler, especially in the landscape of 205 Live's champion being this much thicker and muscular, and really in the competitive spirit as well, because Leon Ruff is that much more athletic than Santos Escobar. You see Leon Ruff work that more traditional cruiserweight spot monkey style, if you want to call it out there. The Hurricane Ranas and the bouncing around the ropes and the DDTs, the only thing that he might not have as well placed down as a Latino luchador is the frog splash. I think that was a little bit of a rough frog splash to end this matchup. But I think Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilds, I think those that trio is really doing something for that title. I'm looking forward to Kurt Stallion stepping up as a challenger in the cruiserweight division, but I did not 
I did not need this interaction to make the North American champion look this much smaller than the Cruiserweight champion. Yes, Ruff ended up with the pinfall after that Ruff frog splash. Yes, Damian Priest got to have himself a little bit of a grudge and really builds that triple threat story with him and Ruff teaming together with Johnny Gargano sitting on commentary, which I know he's supposed to be this obnoxious neighbor sort of character right now, but Gargano on commentary when he's not trying to make the case for himself and when he's trying to put down his opponents and when he's trying to pull off this sort of heel smack talk, there's just something about heel Johnny Gargano that if there's one thing that hasn't changed since Halloween Havoc, it's that these weeks of build towards from t- Havoc to TakeOver War Games, heel Johnny Gargano, yes, it's clicking for me a little bit more, but it's not something I can fully accept yet. Maybe it's because I've rode that underdog wave with him for so long and watching that championship chase and the Blackheart versus Rebelheart storyline and watching that underdog tale for so fucking long. There's just something unbelievable and not logical in my eyes for heel Johnny Gargano, but I'm believing a heel Candice LeRae. I buy the heel Poison Pixie more than I buy what Johnny's been dishing out lately as far as being obnoxious and trash-talking. I'm not sure. There was just something that didn't work for me when Mr. Gargano was on commentary this week. I know I'm not the only one who could be feeling the same way. Something else I'm not feeling lately. Leon Ruff. Why is he looking surprised when he wins? Yeah, look surprised when you take the North American Championship from Johnny Gargano. Absolutely. Huge accomplishment. Quite the pinfall. Don't look surprised unless you're just as surprised as I was that that really... I I mean, just, life is a lot about comparisons and comparing this frog splash that ended this match to a few frog splashes in the day that haven't ended a matchup, especially when you're pinning such a talented cruiserweight like a Raul Mendoza with it. I, I don't know. I didn't like the frog splash. I don't like Leon Ruff looking surprised as a champion when he gets a pinfall in a tag team match. Him and Priest worked well together, and he ended up taking the pinfall after Priest hit a huge move. Great. In a tag team match where the two would expect and ordinarily have anticipated chemistry and wanted to be on the same page, awesome. There was just something about Leon Ruff as a champion looking surprised getting a victory that just did not sit well with me, folks. And I like him as a talent. I'm just kind of waiting for waiting for something a little bit more. Maybe maybe I'm going to get that underdog dose that I was talking about that needs to be filled with this heel Johnny Gargano taking place. Maybe I'm going to get that underdog run out of Leon Ruff, but instead of Instead of chasing a title, maybe he's going to be the underdog who somehow, some way, holds on to that North American championship. It could be. I don't know. Stranger things have happened in the world of pro wrestling. Champions should not look surprised when they get pinfall victories. Champions should look confident after winning a matchup. Just my biggest takeaway from that tag team match. My biggest takeaway from this Undisputed Era beautiful video package was the boys were chilling around, eating at what I would consider a pretty good first date spot on Staten Island in Italian restaurants, but I'm sure it's very high-end when it comes to the Florida market. But Dominance through NXT, when I first saw they were previewing that, I didn't think we had enough airtime to go through the Undisputed Era's reign of dominance. I thought this could have been the remaining two hours of the show showing how great the Undisputed Era is and how dominant they've been in their run in NXT. Um, But a highlight package like that would take two hours, so they cut it down to a pretty solid and compact video package, which dominance, boom, 
End of story. War Games is their playground. You have an animated and aggravated Adam Cole ready to kick Pat McAfee square in the jaw once again and really having a vendetta to kick a punter just kind of warms my heart and gives me that nice nice sense of watching a man's foot bashing a man's face whose foot was his living for a while. There's got to be a sense of reward in that. And I think Adam Cole... Pat McAfee, it's been way better of a rivalry than anticipated. McAfee's been an incredibly hot heel run as of late and has some of the greatest promo skills on Wednesday nights. No arguments. I think that's a pretty agreeable fact. And I can't wait for that main event. Dive into more of that when uh, when give the predictions. Cameron Grimes would cave in August Gray real quick. Terrible segue, but not really much to say. August Gray... The former retro Anthony Green, a somewhat protege in the Thatch as Thatch Can Wrestling Academy, which seems to be a sub-market of the WWE Performance Center. I don't know if Thatch as Thatch Can is a class within the Performance Center. I don't know if it's on the schedule, if there's textbooks, if anybody brings a notepad, or if there's a syllabus handed out with every new Performance Center class that comes out. I don't know if it's an elective to get you extra credit. Maybe if you're a part of that, you get extra school credit and your chances of getting on television move up more. I don't know. These things could happen. Um, Cameron Grimes caving him in. He would strap Gray as preview for Dexter Loomis and the strap match we got going on. Cameron Grimes says there's no running from him, but he would pull in Dexter Loomis. Great build for a strap match. Kind of same old, same old. Cameron Grimes is scared of Dexter Loomis. And uh, I think the fear is going to take Cameron Grimes over. I think Dexter Loomis is going to look really good in this strap match. And walk away with the victory. If I could give an early prediction. And that's how I'm just not... I think this one could have ended at Halloween Havoc. That rivalry could have been over and done with by now. We could have had... Better things for uh, for Cameron Grimes. He could have been on his way to the moon by now. Uh, talking elsewhere, in the Cruiserweight division, we had Jake Atlas with the biggest victory of his career against former champion Tony Nese. Not just a former champion, but the former champion Tony Nese that won that title at WrestleMania. I'm sure something carries over when Jake Atlas, as such a young talent, can beat somebody who has had a major WrestleMania moment. And yeah, major WrestleMania moments, Cruiserweight title win. I know that's in the eye of the beholder there. Um, it is what it is, that kind of take. Uh, nice yelling, you think you're better than me in the middle of this matchup, I wrote down was very signature Long Island. You think you're better than me. Uh, this guy thinks he's a bigger, bigger shot. Uh, yeah, very, very Ginzo, very... Very Long Island's very east coast of Tony Nese with that maneuver. I thought this was a good match. I think both men make their case to move forward in the cruiserweight division. Biggest win of Atlas's career, calling his shot at Santos Escobar. Post-match interview was very great, very along the lines of just pick yourself back up and work yourself forward towards your goal and that cruiserweight championship i'm i'm all in on jake atlas folks i think that he's had that interaction and that past with legado del fantasma i think that swerve should have been the one to beat them but now that that ship has sailed i th- i do think that jake atlas is getting enough build and conviction and convincing enough people that he can take on Legado del Fantasma. He has a long-running history with them, as Swerve did. He's another one who's not afraid to step up to a stable by himself. I think that he can beat the odds, and I think he could be the man to take that title as well. Yeah, Uh, I could jump into the War Games rules package, but I think we all know that by now. Pat McAfee's promo I could get into, but it was pretty much all along the same lines. Just 
aggravating and degrading the internet wrestling community and all of us proudly sitting at home and talking about it by themselves in a room yelling at their dog. Hey, Colin. He's heading back to his crate. He has no interest in hearing me talk about wrestling this week. Uh... Imperium versus Grizzled Young Veterans, I covered that already. It turned into an Ever-Rise Rules, sort of a, a, an O'Doyle Rules from Billy Madison-like segments. Great comedy foils, by the way, Ever-Rise. Really liking their personality as well. Very vocal in the ring. Really, really good guys. I'm uh, always been excited for the rise of Ever-Rise. And one of these days, they're going to walk away with a W, and it's going to be major. Um Check out their video of their interaction with Kevin Owens from the previous week um, as well for for another great factor in their uh, in their comedy segment. In their comedy chops, I should be saying. Uh, the two qualifying match ladder matches. You thought I forgot about them, didn't you? I would not forget about a main event from any NXT segments. Covering the two main event segments from the November 25th and December 2nd, all in one shot here. Because they would determine the War Games advantage who will have the handicap match capabilities throughout the course of this match. Now, it weakens their opponent, but it also guarantees a fresh man for a hot tag as well. So, uh, the War Games advantage, a little bit of a debated topic in, uh, in the books of yours truly on this show. Uh, give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF on your thoughts on the War Games advantage. Yes, you can beat down your opponents in the ring. But you also got a fresh man who's aggravated and willing and raring to go when things are all said and done. Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly's qualifying ladder match. Best match of the November 25th edition. No surprise there. Pete versus Kyle. Already the lineage of history of Pete Dunne against the Undisputed Era. Please go back and listen to episode 1666 where I was joined by Peyton Westner, the stat man. And he went down the great lineage of the rivalry that Pete Dunne has with the Undisputed Era. Uh, shout out to Peyton if you're out there listening, my boy. Um, Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly. Not a match without chemistry or controversy. Undefeated in qualifying matches. Very important factor for the Undisputed Era here. So, of course, um, Pete Dunne would grab the advantage briefcase and walk away with the victory here. Now, Pat McAfee would stake that he was not the masked man who would open up the door for this victory, and Pete Dunne to waltz up the ladder, grab that briefcase, and successfully grant his team the advantage. McAfee, not short of the capability of getting in a plane and going to Florida and pushing a man off a ladder just to head back or rent out a very nice hotel for himself and do such things? No, he... uh. He denied such allegations this past week on NXT TV. So Undisputed Era no longer undefeated in qualifying matches. You kind of had to figure that was happening as soon as they mentioned that Undisputed Era was uh, undefeated in qualifying matches. So Pete Dunne giving Team McAfee a much-needed advantage considering the in-ring experience here. Um, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, yes, 30 years combined between them. But Pete Dunne's a young guy, and Undisputed Era has years and years of in-ring combat experience across many different genres, not just pro wrestling. So the team and the numbers game needed to favor Team McAfee in this case. I think McAfee getting a big head of steam against the Undisputed Era throughout the course of this match, being able to walk out of the cage last for his team but still having an advantage in that matchup. McAfee's going to be the last one to leave his to leave the cage, and I'm just diving into War Games predictions here for, uh, for the men's match at least a little bit. I think that McAfee here, he's going to be the last one to leave the cage for his team. Lorcan, Birch, and Dunn are going to put the smackdown on what I'm going to assume right now, I think... Kyle O'Reilly is going to be the Iron Man for Undisputed Era. I think Kyle O'Reilly is going to be the guy who enters the match first. I think it's going to go O'Reilly, then Fish, then Strong, and then I think Adam Cole is going to be the last one to go in the ring. 
I think McAfee is going to be the last one for his team. I think that the Undisputed Era is going to be at a great disadvantage for most of this match until Adam Cole gets that hot release from the War Games cage. I think McAfee's going to leave the cage first. I think McAfee sitting in the cage with a mic the entire time would be brilliant. I will see him punk during a Royal Rumble. I would love to see that. I think McAfee's going to be the last one to come out of the cage. I think he's going to taunt Adam Cole, the last member for his team, to exit the cage. He's going to take his sweet-ass time leaving the cage and walking down the ramp. He's going to talk shit to Adam Cole the entire way as soon as he leaves that cage, as soon as he's walking down the ramp. He's going to walk in the ring. He's going to strut in there. He might throw in a chair or something if uh, Lorcan or Birch or Dunn hasn't already. And just put the boots to the other members of Undisputed Era. I don't think there's going to be a chance for him to show off a little bit. I think it's going to be a lot more verbal assault and a lot of punches and and boots and maybe a couple simple suplexes showing off the strength a bit. But I think McAfee's going to leave the cage last for his team and his verbal assault leaving the cage on his way down to the ring. That's going to be the drawing ire that sparks Adam Cole. And that's going to be the signature moment to come towards the end of that War Games matchup. Um, so that's a couple brief thoughts on early in the Undisputed Era versus Team McAfee match. Closing up the December 2nd edition of NXT, we did have Shotzi, the resilient and tough Shotzi Blackheart, taking on the powerhouse Diesel for her team, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, as hardcore as Shotzi was, it was not easy to hang with the size and the strength of Raquel. Raquel has been shaping up to be this big fighting force on NXT. I cannot wait to see her and Rhea Ripley slug it out again, this time throwing them back, (laughs) throwing them back against each other to butt heads, this time in the war game setting. I think we're going to be in for some really, really gruesome and big time Haas fighting powerhouse segments with Ripley and Gonzalez in this match. Beverage of choice this week is Coca-Cola from Mexico, by the way, made with real sugar. It's it's the good stuff. But yes, Shotzi held her own. She's resilient. She's tough. We've seen her hang in Iron Woman Battle Royal sort of scenarios before. We've seen her battle hardened and she's coming out with a tank. So being that tough is, uh, is not false advertisements. And I cannot wait to see what she's building for this war games match, we know we're getting some crazy tank war machine monstrosity out of Shotzi Blackheart based on the segments that are uh, that are falling into place. But nevertheless, Shotzi's team would uh, would not go without obstacle in this matchup because Indy Hartwell just backing up the remaining members of her team. Io Shirai would be introduced as the last member of Team Blackheart, so filling out that field would be Shotzi Blackheart, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Ember Moon, quite the team, former NXT NXT Women's Champions in that mix. I think we're in for some hell of competition when it comes to the Women's War Games matchup as well. I think last year's roster might be a little bit more eye-catching, in my opinion, but I think that this matchup was still was still probably one of the best builds we've had here on this on this card for uh, for this year's War Games event. I like that it all started with something that's so character important for Shotzi Blackheart. I think Shotzi's tank being of such important loss and that having such a backstory of family roots and military ties. Why not? There's been stranger catalysts for a match and a rivalry to begin. This is already existing bad blood, and this is being pushed over the edge by something dear and close to Shotzi's heart being lost. And everybody else having their own mini rivalries and struggles and just clash of talents that we're going to be able to get to see, I think is great as well. I think that... If we had full access and the world wasn't in the shape that it was in, I think Kaylee Ray being another interesting women's war games 
participants would have been more than welcome, in my opinion. But Io Shirai being added to the mix, big-time moonsault by the NXT Women's Champion. Another Wednesday night spot where everybody's just gathered in the same place at the same time, and somebody does a flip and knocks them all over like bowling pins. It's never a Wednesday night without an oversaturation of those kind of spots. But here we are, Team Blackheart, briefcase achieved, advantage gained. Now, I think that covers it. I think that covers some War Games builds, some early predictions. Now let's get into the winners and losers of these matchups. Starting things off with probably what I have the least amount of emotional investment at this point in. Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is going to win. Dexter Loomis is finally going to put this rivalry to bed. Cameron Grimes should be off of NXT television for a few weeks after this. Cameron Grimes should face his fears through this matchup. He should not be able to overcome them. And he should come back to NXT television in three to six weeks. Motivated, angry, and pissed and using his fear as a driving factor. That's what I want to see out of Cameron Grimes, and I want to see the continued push of Dexter Loomis, and I think he might be headed for the North American Championship scene sooner than later. A singles match between Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, I did not forget about this build here, folks. I've been meaning to talk about this. Tommaso Ciampa. Last we heard from him, he's got a bit of an issue with the culture in the locker room. Guys are talking like they're tough, but are they really tough? Are they just shooting their mouth off? Or can they really go in between the ropes? Tommaso Ciampa sees Timothy Thatcher guilty of such things. Thatcher is tough. Thatcher might have might have given up a little bit of too much offense to his student when They got in the ring together, but he quickly shut that down. The man's still a submission artist. But what I did not understand in this build, and this could be why I'm not as invested in this matchup as I should be. On the November 25th edition of NXT TV, it was Timothy Thatcher versus Kushida. Tommaso Ciampa taking a further interest in Thatcher would pull up his own seat at ringside. Thatcher has stated in the past he has no problem with Tommaso Ciampa when Ciampa first came out to confront him and his message was very clear, I want to fight Timothy Thatcher and we're getting that fulfilled this Sunday. Thatcher has no problem with Tommaso Ciampa. He also had no problem with him sitting there and looking on for this matchup. Ciampa needed a closer look at this self-declaration, tough guy culture. What would happen here is what I have issues with most. Champa sitting there ringside. Thatcher, at this point, needs to be aware that Tommaso Champa wants to fight Timothy Thatcher. Why would Kushida beat Timothy Thatcher Why, at this point and this close, two weeks away, at this point, Thatcher looking bad against Kushida? I could understand Kushida winning. That's not the issue I have. I have an issue with Kushida winning by submission against Timothy Thatcher. A submission Specialist, the man whose pretty much entire gimmick is I'm going to lock my students into a hold in the middle of the ring and snap their necks or their arms or their shoulder blades or their legs or their ankle or some sort of really intricate bone and pressure point that only Thatcher's in-ring style has. Why would that guy lose by submission? Kushida should win this match. I'm all for this build that Kushida's been having lately. I think Kushida's going to go on such a win streak where it's undeniable that he gets a shot at Finn Bauer in the NXT Championship. 
I think Kushida should be made undeniable at this point, but it should not come at this much of expense at Timothy Thatcher. Thatcher should have been thrown off his game by Champa sitting there. Thatcher could have been locked in a submission by Kushida for an extended period of time in this matchup and really, really damaging Thatcher's shoulder or elbow or whatever the primary focus on the hoverlock that you wanted to tell this story with. That's fine. Have it lock all the way. Have Thatcher just able to manage to get to the ropes that are closest to Tommaso Ciampa. As Thatcher grabs the ropes, Thatcher and Ciampa lock eyes. Kushida releases the hold. He's got his hands up. Him and the ref are getting each other's face. Referee's asking him to break the hold. As Kushida's breaking the hold, Ciampa and Thatcher are still locked on. Ch- uh, Ciampa starts to get this grin come over his face. Champa starts to smirk and chuckle just a little bit. Not audibly, not something that the cameras would pick up. Although with today's sound technology, I'd be very surprised if they didn't, but this is ideal situation. Thatcher uses the ropes. Bottom rope, what? Second rope, you thought that was funny? I got out of it. Gets to the top rope. You'll see what happens when we get in the ring together. Kushida, not by typical schoolboy, but maybe grabs him down, rolls him through again, does like that back bridge cradle that we've seen out of him before to roll up and get the victory. Thatcher springs up, this time on the other side of the ring, facing commentary, hands on his head, facing commentary. Kushida rolls out, stands towards the ramp, And Champa's happy with what Kushida's done. He's happy with himself for subconsciously and indirectly costing Thatcher the matchup. And Thatcher is aggravated enough where he didn't lose by submission, but still has enough of a vindication and aggravation against Tommaso Champa. where what happens on the December 2nd edition where Thatcher manages to grasp and guillotine Tommaso on Tommaso Ciampa's surgically repaired neck, which I think Thatcher's submission acumen and Tommaso Ciampa having a surgically repaired neck is going to be a beautiful part of the storytelling. I think that's how it should have played out. I think this build made Thatcher look just a little bit too weak. And I think... Tommaso Ciampa is going to win this matchup. I think Thatcher is going to have another looking really good at a takeover, but he doesn't win the North American Championship. He doesn't beat Finn Balor before Balor was champion, and I don't think he's going to beat Tommaso Ciampa here either. Tommaso Ciampa beats Timothy Thatcher, and I think that's how this rivalry should have gone towards building it. Uh, triple threat match, NXT North American Championship, defending underdog champion Leon Ruff versus Johnny Wrestling, two-time NXT North American Champion Johnny Gargano versus former, former North American Champion Damian Priest. I'd like to go with my New York City native, my fellow New Yorker at this point, but I really think this triple threat match and this takeover could be something special for the Johnny Gargano way. I think the Johnny Gargano way can be this ever-evolving phrase that is going to be constantly changing, much like Johnny Gargano's opinion and views on wheels. I think that Mr. Gargano is going to somehow walk away with the victory here. I think the Gargano way is going to continue to be this narrative for by any means necessary, and that's to regain the championship. From there, I think the by any means necessary of the Johnny Gargano way is I'm going to do anything that it takes to hold on to this championship. I think we start seeing Johnny Gargano winning more matches where he purposely gets himself counted out, where he purposely gets himself 
disqualified, where he loses non-title matchups, but then the same way he loses that non-title matchup, he manages to win when the championship is on the line. I think that this Johnny Gargano walking away and being finally, okay, I won the NXT North American Championship back. This is my title. I'm doing whatever the hell it takes to hold on to it. He's going to have some great matches along the way. He's going to put a few guys over with some really nice matches, but he's going to hold on to that title. Johnny Gargano is going to do whatever it takes to hold on to that title and break the curse. That's what I think the Johnny Gargano way is going to evolve into. I think Johnny's going to learn there's clearly a curse when I try and have a matchup for my championship. I need to guarantee that I walk away with the victory. Not even walking away with the victory. That I walk away with the championship. Johnny loses by countout. Johnny loses by getting himself disqualified. But he still manages to retain. That's how the curse is going to be broken. The retention is going to come by some fugazi way of North American championship um, dishonesty, I guess, of DQ or countouts for Johnny Gargano. I think Johnny wins this triple threat match. I think Damian Priest is on his way to Fox. I think Johnny Garg- I think Damian Priest can be a huge presence on the main roster. I think he already looks like a freaking star. It would be nice to see some direct New York City representation on the Fox Network. I think SmackDown could use a little pack punch star power. I think Damian Priest can be that NXT call up that uh that gets treated correctly on the main roster. So or Leon Rush and Leon Rush I think has the performance of a lifetime. And it's possible that he retains and builds the underdog story from being champion, but I think Leon Rush loses here. I think he learned I think his biggest takeaway from losing this triple threat match will be what it means to be a champion in NXT. And that he took his eye off the ball during this matchup, and that he's going to start taking his in-ring competition way more seriously. And this really true build for a babyface is going to start happening for uh, for Leon Ruff after this triple threat match. First women's war games match. First war games matchup that I want to discuss: the women's war games match. Easy for me to say. Team Candice, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony. Tony Storm, Tony, Tony Storm, with Indy Hartwell, taking on Team Shotzi, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and our NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai. We saw Team Rhea as the victim of a betrayal at War Games last year with the most shocking moments in the TakeOver's history where Dakota Kai betrayed Tegan Knox. Betrayed might be an understatement. She devastated Tegan Knox. Wiped the fort clean. Booed across the face. Terrible. Terrible betrayal. Some of the most excellent heel work afterwards. That rivalry I thought was going to hit Champion Gargano levels, but I'll digress from that point. I think Team Candice is going to win only because I think the Undisputed Era is going to win their War Games matchup. I think it'll matter which match begins the night. I think that it's hard to predict the War Games matches when you don't know the order of the card. I kind of went through this card by what I personally have emotional investment in, not what I think is going to kick off the night. I think the Women's War Games matchup could start off the night. And if they want to follow suit like last year, I think that the heel team is going to win here. I think Team Candice can walk away with the victory because I think Rhea Ripley being so, I don't know, filled with sportsmanship after losing to Io Shirai and unable to regain that NXT Women's Championship... Rhea Ripley's run in NXT can't be spoken about enough. 
a lot of watching Rhea Ripley on NXTs and in 2020 has been groaning and thinking, what the hell is going on? She's had some great matches, but there's been some losses for this title that you just don't understand. Two weeks ago, a couple weeks back, I think Rhea should be walking into war games as women's champion here. I think Io Shirai should be entering this matchup not holding the belts, and I think Io's fourth spot here should be Io as a third spot and Rhea Ripley not being in this matchup again this year and defending that championship against somebody. There's enough talent on this women's roster where, yeah, all eight of these women being featured, nine if we're counting Indy Hartwell here, yes, there's so much talent in the ring where you take any eight of these women, you could pick any eight of these women in this division and it would be an entertaining War Games matchup. You throw some of the underspoken names like a Caden Carter or a Casey Catanzaro. You can't tell me that you wouldn't want to see the American Ninja Warrior be able to exercise herself in the Devil's Playground. That is War Games. That would be incredible. And then you have that open spot on the babyface team where Rhea Ripley could be defending that title against somebody that else up on the rise. Rhea Ripley, to get the shock value and what I think could happen and what I kind of hope doesn't because it would be kind of a repeat back-to-back and kind of copy and pasting what Dakota Kai did, I don't think Rhea Ripley should be this accepting of Io Shirai joining the War Games team after losing the title so recently. I think Rhea Ripley should go absolutely ape on Io Shirai at some point in this matchup, and I think Team Candice should win based from that. That's how I would write it. If it wasn't so, well, yeah, but we just had that big betrayal angle last year, Dan, why are you forgetting such things? I'm not, but this is this is what I see as peak ideal just to get Rhea Ripley back on track, and it just so happens to involve another betrayal in the women's war games matchup. Rhea Ripley being so accommodating with Io Shirai being on the team I think shouldn't shouldn't sit so right with the way that Rhea Ripley's been portrayed this year I think she should take issue with no there's no way Io is taking the spotlight this is my freaking matchup this is where I proved my dominance last year why would I let a lesser women's champion than I take what's truly mine in this matchup and you know let's not forget what the hell she did she pinned Shayna Baszler in the thing last year and from there that's what kicked off such a dominant reign for Rhea Ripley to be NXT Women's Champion so what I want to win I want Team Shotzi to win because I'm such a Shotzi Blackheart fan and you gotta root for the baby faces and I want something big for Ember Moon in this case for her to return to NXT as well but I think Team Candice winning I laid out the scenario for how I think they do it but going with my heart is Team Shotzi going with my fantasy booking gut that you just heard me rant about it has to be Team Candice so there's both sides of that coin final War Games matchup presumed main event we have the Undisputed Era Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole, baby, taking on Pete Dunne, the one-two punch, Oni Orkin, and Danny Birch, and the former Indianapolis Colts punter, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, NXT TakeOver, he's at it again, folks. He's been great on the mic, the build has been exceptional. Based on his promo skills, the man is now talking for a living. He should be good at it. He is good at it. He went on and on and on about his big money investment that ended up being more money than you or I will ever see in his lifetime. Sort of uh, sort of big and, well, he's definitely not showing respect for any fans. He's definitely showing a lot of respect towards dead presidents with the way he's throwing them around like this. And I'm not going to argue that it might be more money than I'll ever see in my entire lifetime. I don't know what kayfabe 
Danny Burch and Orny Lorcan were paid after they took out Ridge Holland. Could you imagine what it would take for you to get the guys who just took out the guy that you wanted? Yeah, that's a... We just took that guy out, and now you want us to fill his spot? You better pay us double what he was getting. What's double what, uh, what's double what his Mercedes was worth? That might be a six-figure car. You might be thinking... Might be thinking uh, six-figure range for Oni Orkin and Danny Birch for, uh, for damn sure there. And Pete Dunn, you might just have to pay with some, uh, some really good plant-based protein and just the chance to beat somebody up. But no, I'm sure Big Money Pete was was worth something as well. You wouldn't know based on how excited he could be on what that check read because Dunn's Dunn's face is always kind of kind of the same, kind of signature, kind of stagnant, kind of exactly where it should be, whether he's a baby face or he's a heel, but heel Pete Dunn just feels right. You don't believe me, go back and watch that first United Kingdom championship tournament. That inaugural championship tournament was Outstanding. Um, predictions time for that matchup, though. It's Undisputed Era. It's War Games. It's Adam Cole's hatred boiling over towards Pat McAfee. I think McAfee should stop doing the in-ring stuff after War Games, and I think he should continue his managerial role on NXT TV. I think he is still a good name. To, to kind of build that cross audience. I think that if you're somebody who's a big-time NFL fan who hasn't watched wrestling in a long time, but you see Pat McAfee's on NXT, there might be a week or two where you're thinking, what the hell is this? Can I can I check this out and just see what he's up to? So I think a Pat McAfee promo might be enough to, uh, to draw the eyes and the attention from the casual fan that you might want in that perspective and in that sort of bubble. I think uh, I think Undisputed Era needs to walk out on top just based on the storyline that they're telling here. Listen, the Undisputed Era has been kicked down, pushed around by Ridge Holland since previous TakeOver events. So uh, Lorcan and Birch, the build for this team, Kyle O'Reilly getting his and laid out by Pete Dunne. There's so much, and I use this in the proper term, not in the terrible main roster term. There's retribution to be had for the Undisputed Era. So I think Adam Cole, Bebe, leads his team to victory. I think, just to repeat myself, we see Adam Cole go on a tear, being the last member of his team to enter the War Games matchup. And I think, we, I think we're, of course, going to see a very memorable top of the War Games cage spot. I don't know if it's going to be Pat. It could be Pat. I don't know how much he's getting paid to take all the bumps that he's taken. But it could be. Especially if we're trying to drive home the Adam Cole nail in the coffin for this rivalry. I think Pat McAfee might be taking a huge bump from the top of the War Games cage. That just about covers my War Games predictions. I didn't want this show to go over an hour, but sometimes what I have planned to say... And the beauty of doing a podcast, sometimes it all just flows, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're taking this little bit of time out of your weekend, or whenever you're listening to it, if you're listening to this after War Games and you want to tweet at me at podcast underscore UF what I got right and what I got wrong, if you listen to the show on Monday and you're like, what the hell were you thinking here, Dan? Please get at me. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. I'll be live tweeting War Games if you are listening to this prior to the show, if you're listening to this on Saturday night, it's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to try and get this out for uh, for your evening listening. Maybe crack open an adult beverage and just listen to uh, to some wrestling convo for a little over an hour. Um, follow at podcast underscore UF. Going to be live tweeting war games. Going to be basing some... Uh, be throwing out some reactions and anything that might come to my mind between now and the actual show taking place. Um, follow me on Instagram, follow my personal on Instagram because I'm having some sort of, some sort of login issues. I had technical issues trying to get this episode up, folks, so that's why it's coming out on Saturday rather than Friday. I wanted to give you guys more time to listen to my War Games thoughts, but sometimes it's just not what it's made up to be. 
C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C. C-D, Danny Mac. C-D, Danny Mac. The D in C-D and the D in Danny. Share. It's my personal Twitter handle as well. C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C. That's where you'll see a lot more pictures of my dog. And that's where I'm going to start building the uh, the podcast promotion as well because things just don't seem to be going correctly on uh, on the login front for my show dedicated Instagram. Uh, follow me wherever you're listening to me. Uh, Spotify, iTunes. I don't know if iTunes exists anymore. Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, which is my personal platform for podcasting of choice. And wherever you're listening to the show, wherever my RSS feed is picked up, no matter how, where, and when you're listening to the show, thank you so much for being a part of Team NXT. Have an excellent wrestling weekend. I will talk to you soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy NXT TakeOver Warband.